This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast covering Ipswich Town since 2015. I'm Richard Woodward and you've joined us for the pre-match show in association with our friends from the Greyhound pub in Ipswich. This is the Milton Keynes Dons away edition and joining me, the away day adventurer. He's been, he's here, he's there, he's every effing where, Craig Fimbo or Roy Kent. Craig, how you doing? You've been up to Doncast this week. Yes, yeah, yeah. Been here, there, and everywhere, as you say. Yeah, I am uh, the Marco Polo, the uh, uh, Sir Rather. Was it Dora Sir the Rather? Rather a Wally Raleigh. Yes, Dora the Explorer. One. I've got a backpack. I'm willing to uh, use it. Um, yeah. All right. Actually, yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to as is as is everyone else that does it. Getting used to the A1, A14, A1. It's up and down, up and down in the last few weeks. And honest to God, I know we spoke about it, myself and Dave were speaking about it previously. It's a piece of pie going up and down there. Honestly, I, I was, yeah. I drove, I drove back. We didn't stop, didn't stop once, didn't even stop for a leak, anything straight down. I, I had a drop off in Colchester, sound like a taxi driver. I pulled into my drive at exactly one o'clock. So it took three hours ish from, yeah. uh, from Donkey. It's just ridiculous at the moment. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. there's someone who used to make that. I mean, that was my journey home every few weeks. When that opened, it was just oh, yeah. yes, yeah, it's it's, very impressive. Yeah. So um, I and can going, much, so yeah, just going to Milton Keynes at the weekend. I might actually go the wrong way around the M25 just to get some more miles on the clock. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah you won't go that way and then cut back down. Past the <laughs> yeah. Possibly not worth it. Yeah, go up the air. Could go use the A1 just for the sheer hell of it. Yeah, just the thought. Um, we've got plenty to talk about. Um on this week's show um obviously we've mentioned mk we'll get um some thoughts from craig on doncaster um from the horse's mouth as it were from someone in the ground rather than on the eye follow um we've got an update from kieran stanley as always from um on icfc women who um played crawley wasps this weekend and we've got sliding doors and craig is no doubt ready to 
take his points per game tally from football room when I want to parlay it into dominance under sliding door. Are we allowed to, are we allowed to add it in like the old Scottish Premiership Premier League? If you stop it halfway through, you can use your points from the previous campaign to add them to your subsequent we'll campaign. Or something. Yeah. yeah, well, then, then there's an exchange rate between points and percentage points. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out to ensure you stay top. Points. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly right. That's until hey man, I've got the spreadsheet. I can, <laughs> my power's gone to my head. Um, let's do some bits and pieces of news. And welcome back to the pod once again, Kieran Stanley from ITFC Women. We will skip through MK Dons as quickly as we can, Kieran. Obviously, a, a, another frustrating afternoon um, for the Tractor Girls. Um, but unfortunately, the level you are at, the standard that you've set so far this season, teams are going to be finding a way to stop us, aren't they? And unfortunately, that was the case. Yeah, yeah. I think Joe's referenced it. We've we've had a bit of our target on bit of a target on our back for a few months now. Um, I haven't gone on, I haven't started the season going off like the clappers. So yeah, it's only natural. Um, frustrating afternoon for us yesterday on um, on a pitch, which, um, you know, Joe's had his, his words to say about it. I'm not going to add too much to that. I mean, you know, we, we have our opinions on, on, on that situation. Um, but yeah, a frustrating afternoon, a frustrating result. Not really a lot to, to say about the game because nothing happened. Uh, and nothing was able to happen because of the conditions. But it is what it is. It's a goalless draw. We move on, and, and we're fully focused on Crawley this weekend. And there are, I mean, there are still lots of positives. Still top of the league. Admittedly, there are teams around us who, who don't seem to play league matches at the moment. Just seem to be in the cups quite a lot. Um, but long overdue recognition for Joe, um, manager of the month for January, um, at, our, at our level. And yeah, as I said, that seems to have been in the post for Blumen ever, hadn't it? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we're very pleased for him. Um, it's been a long time coming. Um, we were a little bit surprised that it that it did come in in January. Um, obviously, we we drew a couple of games, and um, you know we weren't obviously a hundred percent in the league. And there have been other months throughout the season, especially when we rattled off like eleven, twelve wins in a row, where we thought it might have come then, but it came in January. Um, so look, at the end of the day, you know, it's fully deserved, even if it's it's based over a longer period than a month. And then Joe is fully deserving of winning that award and has been for some time. So um, yeah, it's nice to see that that recognition for him for all the the hard work and and everything he does because he's just such a, you know a football enthusiast and he lives and breathes the game and he's so invested in everything. So to, to see a little bit of recognition for him is is much appreciated by all of us at the club and. Yeah, I'm sure that the fans were delighted to see that too. Yeah, exactly right. Well, well deserved there. Focusing back on the league situation that we we find ourselves in right now, um, uh, potentially another a tough um, fixture. Crawley Wasps at the weekend, similar level to well mid table, aren't they? Um, but defeated Oxford in the League Cup on the weekend, so um, they won't be easy opponents either, will they? No, no, probably another Jekyll and Hyde team. To be honest, you either get the very best of Crawley or or, or they'll, you know, be a shadow of, the, of themselves. Um, obviously, we played them second game of the season, our first home game of the year, and, and Blue, our captain, scored an absolute wonder goal before, unfortunately, suffering a season-ending knee injury later in the game, had to be stretched off. So it was kind of a bittersweet game for us. But then we met them in the um, in the FA Cup just before Christmas and beat them 4-0. So it was... We were expecting it to be a lot like the first game, which was very cagey, and it took a wonder goal to win it. And then, you know, we went and completely bossed them in, in the second game. 
So, look, I think if, if Crawley turn up and play like we know they can because they're a good side at this level, then it will be tough. They're, they're, a, they're a good side. They've got some good players. Um, so it will be a challenge. I think, obviously, recently we haven't been scoring as many goals as we perhaps hoped and, and liked to have done. So, you know, hopefully we can rediscover that scoring touch this weekend and we're going to need it because, like I said, they're, they're a good side. They don't concede a lot of goals and, and they'll be confident coming into the game off a big win against Oxford in the League Cup and Oxford are flying in the league at the moment. They're hot on our heels, so we can't take that lightly and I'm sure it'll be a good game. And, and I guess we need to take some comfort because it's very easy for us to look at the results at the moment and, and the draws that we're getting and think, oh, well, it's... it's it's Ipswich that have kind of we're stalling a little bit, but Crawley have beaten Oxford, and they still there's still football to be played. I guess is, is the short version of what I'm babbling about. Is all of these teams have to play each other as well, and the idea that um, Crawley are not going to turn up for Southampton or for for Oxford or for Ipswich or, or Gillingham or Portsmouth or MK, all these teams now there's, there's no guarantees that these games in hand for Pompey and um, for Southampton. Blimey, that was. Nearly a faux pas there. Mm-hmm. Southampton and Oxford are going to go and be thumping victories, is there? So, you know. no, it's not. That's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to going to win those games. Um, obviously, the more games they have, will make it more difficult for them in terms of scheduling because they might have to play Sunday, Wednesday quite consistently towards the end of the season. Obviously, that has its difficulties with in terms of keeping players fresh and fit. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of football to be played. We've got nine league games left. Southampton, I believe, have got 14. So, you know, there's a lot of football still to be played. Um, there's lots of twists and turns still to come. Um, and look, it, it isn't over. It's far from over. We, we've got a long way to go yet. And there's so much that could still happen. So, you know, we're, we're still confident that we're going to be where we want to be at the end of the season. Yes, we may have made it a little bit more difficult for ourselves off the back of these uh, these draws that we've been having. But, you know, until that season closes and, and, and the door slams shut, then, you know, we'll keep fighting right to the very end. Good stuff. Then there's a bit of a break, if I'm right. And then the big one in two weeks' time, isn't there? Um, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. There's a week off in between. Um, I think that's on Sunday the 20th. Um, that's currently scheduled for no game. Although there could be a game put in there, the league like to change fixtures about quite consistently. So, um, yeah, so I think that, that there could be a game, but as it stands, there isn't one in there. And then obviously, yeah, on to Southampton for a, for a big cup clash. Um, we'll try and reach the quarterfinals of the Women's FA Cup for the first time. And then once that's, you know, once that's done, it's, it's full focus on, you know, we've got some big games coming up in March and April. So, yeah, it's... Um, we're getting towards the business end of the season now and um yeah things are going to start to get interesting exciting times and we've got um as much as i love talking to you kieran some stuff lined up for the week ahead of um the southampton game as well um due to speak to lucy o'brien at some point but um some other stuff in the works as well which we're really excited about um Kieran, as always great to hear from you thank you for your input um, and wish the girls all the best for sunday for us cheers rich good to talk do you want to give us your brief take on Doncaster and any observations, yeah. obviously, from being there? Um, because I guess the kind of the feedback after the game is quite mixed. The Doncaster fans was and Gary McSheffrey very complimentary about the way we went about things, um, but only a one-goal win. Um, some chances missed, unlike Gillingham. Um, well, yeah, were you happy in the away end? Um, 
Yeah, there was sort of. To be fair, that around near me, and we we were pretty much in the in the midst of it all. And um, first and foremost, the the fact the crowd that went were very good. It was you know pretty constant numbers, um, backing. Yeah, yeah, all the way through. Um, and around me, it was sort of there were spells of get the bloody thing forward, Evans. You know, and but and by the same token, they were oh my good god, Bonds missed another header, sort of thing. But I think in the on the whole, pretty were just pretty content you know pretty confident that it was we were going to see it out I, I did watch the on the way home um we sort of used bbc sounds and re-listened to the post-match um bits and pieces through suffolk and listened to matthew talking about um where we were at and stuff and him and brenner seemed just seemed a little bit down on it matthew was very yeah. down on it yeah you know, wouldn't they wouldn't want to play in a team like this and wouldn't want to play up front in this in this team you think well what you just won six out of eight and you know, your possession, it's just, it seems to me, and at the moment, they're just seeing games out. They're doing enough, as much as they need to do, and keeping the opposition very much at arm's length, and just getting a professional, if if slightly pragmatic, way of just getting getting a game across the line each 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 um, each match. Obviously, you know, the, the, the game that we have lost, or one of the games we have lost, is against Sheffield Wednesday, and we've also got another team that are above us coming up, so... You know the proofs in the pudding in terms of the teams that we need to beat. You know if we can start putting those performances together and getting results on the back of it, then crikey, I don't think anybody's got anything to deny. It's just a prof- just needs to be professional performances. It would be nice if we could get a couple more goals um, in the midst of it. And we'll talk about MK Dons in a bit, who seem to have sort of got that got to that point where they they got the position possession, but they were also creating the chances, aren't they? And and getting yeah. the right amount of shots off per game. But on the whole, just please, just, yeah, it's just a professional performance against what were, crikey, an awful team. They just did not have any... Very young team. But, they were yeah. young, but they just, in terms of intent, they just didn't seem to have any intent to get forward. They had a free kick of the first half. They only put two people forward for it. They just seemed to be happy to sit back. And we just wondered whether, at halftime especially, it was 1-0, whether they were just going to try and keep it at 1-0 until 20 minutes and then chuck the kitchen sink at us, you know, just try and keep it at one and do what they could in the last 20, go, go shit or bust, if you like. Didn't even do that. We just yeah. Anyway, we move on and um, three points, isn't it? Exactly. Um, the aforementioned ex-manager, managerial marry-go-round, I should say, um, one appointment and one not getting appointed. Let's start with the one that's not. Roy Keane not going to Sunderland despite having two interviews. That's kind of the worst uh, in, in normal life. You get to the final stage of a recruitment process and you've had two interviews. You're kind of biting their hand off for the job, but not Roy Keane, um, Craig. He's not going to Sunderland. Alex Neal, the favourite there. Your thoughts on the situation with Sunderland? They're doing their best, aren't they, to screw the season up? Christ, their fans are their fans are not happy. I say, I've said before that they've we've got a little enclave of Sunderland fans um, where I am. I know a couple of them really, really well, and they're like sending me messages of their message boards and their their Twitter feeds and stuff. And Christ, the mighty, their fans are spewing that they haven't they you know sacked Johnson without a plan. Basically, you know why? You know, we all know what Lee Johnson's like, but why get rid of the guy? Just keep him in place. At least you're going to have you've got a manager in place to manage the team. You couldn't have done any worse than you've done since he went out the door. Um, and yeah, it just seems to be Roy Keane's decision that, you know, actually, he strung him along a little bit and had a couple of interviews and just thought, nah, I like it. He's not good enough. 
giggling along with M- Micah Richards on a, a weekend rather than putting myself through this. Yeah. Um, but it, and and as you say about um, Alex Neil, I think it was I think it was Tuesday actually when when we were driving up and they and it was on the radio about oh we've about who else they'd been interviewing and it was Neil McCann and Lamucci I think the old mm. Forest manager wasn't it? You think oh, crikey, uh, McCann probably would get them sorted and up there, but in terms of you know excitement, it's smart, it's, is it? No, it's not one hundred percent not. You know, can you imagine if we'd after getting rid of Cook, if if those are the three names at the top of our list, think bloody Nora, you know, getting back. One name that is possibly inspiring for the good folk of the town of Chesterfield <laughs> is Paul Cook, who's returned for a second spell there in the National League, Craig, who after their previous yeah. manager left um, due to allegations of misconduct. Just which leave it there, mate, I think, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's as much as I want to say. Um, TWTD reporting... He's been given an assistant. Um, it's been imposed upon me. Um, Danny Webb, um, son of the former Chelsea and QPR fullback David, mm-hmm. for those of the right vintage. No contract length has been made public, um, but it's not short term, in quote marks. Um, talk us about this. Well, obviously, I think the guys on the flagship will drill into this a little bit more, but an interesting one. And I guess a lot of people remarking that it's a drop down for him, two divisions, but. Yeah. They're second in their league, aren't they? You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, and uh, it just keeps them in the shop window, I suppose. It's sort of a free hit, as you say. They're they're second in the league with a game in hand, which so they could go top. I think if they win that, I know there's oh god, who is it? Boreham Wood are a couple of points. Sorry, a couple of positions and a few more games in hand below them. But you know, as you say, they're pretty much top of the league with a few games to go. What will be interesting actually is. As I understand it, they don't have a their transfer window's done the same as ours, isn't it? So he's got to coach and work with what he's got. Um, so that'll be a test of his coaching and management skills, won't it? Just just to get him up. But yeah, good, yeah, fair play, good luck to him. I don't think anybody. Well, no, I probably do know that there are some, but in the in the main, I don't think any Ipswich fans have got to you know, begrudge him anything. Really, got no no qualms about the guy no. at all. You know, he's a lovely guy and. Football through and through, et cetera, et cetera. Just didn't happen. Just didn't work. So be it. You know, good luck to him. I say, I just wonder whether there's nothing else available at the moment. You know, no one seems to be on the cusp of getting rid of someone that he could move into, Sunderland apart, possibly. So he probably may, may well have thought, you know, let's just do something for six months at least just to keep things ticking over from a you know, shop window perspective rather than anything else. It's weird to think we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of him being appointed. But hey, hi. Yeah, time flies, doesn't it? Um, different situation now. Um, so I think that's the bits. And, yeah, the guys will certainly, I think, talk about that a little bit more on Sunday. Um, in terms of news, I think that's probably it. Um, let's move on to um, let's move on to Saturday. And I think we're going to swap chairs if I can figure out how to do it. I think I can drag and drop. There we go. Look, hey. <laughs> so for those watching Whoa. on YouTube, Craig and I, I should, we should have made a big like, Whoa. yeah, um, Craig and I are swapping seats um, and you're going to host this bit and I'm going to go all nerdy. Yeah. Okay, mate. Will do. Um, so, yeah. So in, in terms of MK Dons, as we say, as we all know, thousands upon thousands and thousands of Ipswich fans will be looking for a parking space in and around the <laughs> stadium MK um, at the weekend. Um and in terms of, as we probably all know as well, in terms of league position, um, they're third in the league. Um, 
played 31, won 16, drawn eight, lost seven. Um, both teams are flying high in the in the form table. Um, fourth versus fifth in the form table. Um, both teams will like to play football and, and get it down. It'd be an interesting. I think they're very, to be fair, very similar sort of styles of play, aren't they? And certainly very similar managers uh, in terms of um, experience and age and things like that. It'd be a fascinating, uh, fascinating outcome, won't it? Um, goals. They're the fourth highest goal scorers. Um, they've got the sixth best defence, so they're a tidy unit. As I was saying before, you know they've sort of had that. You know they've had half a, half a season, really, haven't they? I suppose more of their coach being in charge than, than we have, and he's obviously got his ideas. Had those additional months to get his ideas across. Um, they're ninth in the home league table. They're two defeats in the last six. Doncaster, good team. Beat them one 0 Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the top scorer is a guy that we know, Scott Twine. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about him again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I mean, as you say, it's nicely, nicely poised. Yeah, it should be um, good, shouldn't it? Uh, yeah, the ninth in the home league table thing is an interesting. I, you know, that gives us a little bit of a sense of um, that maybe it's not a fortress. I mean, it is, but not as much as maybe folk think. Um, and I've got stats. Um, of their overall season and then the home version as well. So we can kind of yeah. talk about that. Um, I mean, you mentioned, let's talk about Liam Manning, shall we? Kind of, and their head coach situation. I mean, you talked about him getting his ideas across, but I don't know about you, but it feels like he's basically an inherited a philosophy, isn't it? And he, he kind of subscribes to that same philosophy and it's just about repeating it, isn't it? It's an evil, it's a, evolution perhaps rather than a revolution like most teams particularly yeah. us under Marcus Evans seem to do every time we appointed a manager. Yeah flip flop from <clears throat> one one extreme to the other to a certain extent. What's quite interesting actually and it it's their their setup as well is sort of similar to what we're trying to get in place and the guy that hired him I assume one amongst others was the, this Liam Sweeting who's their sporting director but he He's been there a while. Previously, he was their head of recruitment. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's, he'd been there for a couple of years, two or three years. And I think he was... And basically, when when he moved into this the sporting director role, it was literally, I don't know, a month later that um, Martin moved off, a month or two later that Martin moved off to Swansea and he had to come and sort of recruit, um, recruit the new man. And I think it was either him or it was Winkleman came out and said, basically, they used... A recruitment, you know, um, similar sort of recruitment method to what you'd, you'd get a player in. They went through the same sort of recruitment method to to get their manager in. You know, they went through the analysis. Yeah, I think he's. I think he was also involved in analytics as well. Yes, uh, Liam Sweeting guys. Is there's a lot of senior people now in their football administration department, as I guess I would call it, that have been recruited from within because their performance director. I don't. I wouldn't know what a performance director kind of does i think it's pathways isn't it between players from the academy into the first team perhaps he was once the head of academy physio you know so i mean that's it's good that they are recruiting from within there but and giving these opportunities to people who haven't got maybe the big name of our ex-players you know that kind of old the old boys network kind of thing yeah yeah and as and, uh, and from what i can tell you know i don't know for sure but from what i've seen of the guys and, and the interviews they've done they're all pretty 
young as well. You know, they're similar sort of ages. It's like, similar to what McKenna's sort of doing, isn't it? They're the coaches that he's bringing in are relatively recent ex-graduates who've, you know, made their own um, progression through the through the coaching structures, aren't they? But there's a, there's a few names that will be on the bench that are familiar to us, though, Rich. I mean, yeah, it's like mini Ipswich, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, Chris Hogg is assistant head coach alongside Liam Manning, um, whose name came up in the excellent second part of the George Burley interview. Um, assistant first team coach, David Wright. One David Wright, right back, David Wright. And first team goalkeeper coach, Lewis Price. So, yeah, it's it's like it's little Ipswich out in, um, out in Milton Keynes. So, good for and- them. Interestingly enough, I, I, talking about Chris Hogg, if people don't know, that's he's George Burley's son-in-law. He's married to George Burley's daughter, and they are, or they were, when I spoke to George Burley, they're actually living at living with George Burley, both of them, because um, Chris Hogg was at Newcastle, wasn't he? Was he, was he actually their under twenty-three manager? I think so. I think he was a pretty yeah. decent job for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he's obviously they moved up there, and when they moved down here to become involved with Milton Keynes, he hasn't yet got round to getting his own place so they're currently living with the living with the burleys and oh, um hey, this feels like a sitcom george is having to take his daughter to milton Keynes for their home matches driver there oh, lucky I, him i all well, at least he can he can make the he'll be there this, yeah he'll exactly be there right. the weekend i think it's fair to say yeah, he'll be yeah. There the um one thing i did note is that um liam manning is up for manager of the month which will have been announced by the time that this show goes out so those of you who are who like a superstition um hopefully he will be successful in that and I suspect he might be to be honest because um yeah they've had a very good month haven't they um, yeah how did they do last last time out what they've last got time there? out um a bit of a I guess a blip relatively speaking and um, they took the lead but were pegged back at Fleetwood though I don't know if you saw the highlights or the the EFL quest show bit, the bit pitch wet, wasn't looked it? appalling the quagmire of a pitch rain lashing down um but they took the lead um Harry Darling, um, who's now got six goals from centre-back and assist by you-know-who. And then Paddy Lane is in my ears and in my eyes. Um, Equalised. Um, and it looked like both teams were trying to play the game the right way. MK probably had the most of it, um, but ended up with a draw. And that would, I guess, be quite frustrating for them because Wigan obviously dropped points. That might have... That, a win there would have taken them second. Um but um, an away point, you can't sniff for that, particularly long old trip, crappy conditions. Um, and just a, a bit of revision on the last time that we faced them, obviously, um, under the Paul Cook era, um, that two-all draw, that excellent Bon. Don't, did you hear the PA at Donny? We heard him on the I finally call him Bon Bonny when he was subbed off. That was... All oh, right, no, amazing. no, it was no, drowned out, that. I do think. That KVY long diagonal that Bon brings down and lashes into the roof of the net that was i remember that macaulay bond that was yeah let's have him saturday but goals from scott twine um and matt o'reilly we'll talk about him in a second as well no longer um of that parish and then the the evan the lee evans brain fight midfield that conceded possession for o'reilly to dash through fraser um assist for bond um and I think probably I've got the stats here: forty-one to fifty-nine percent possession, eleven shots to nineteen. I think probably we were a little bit fortunate in the end on that one. I think we kind of ran out of ideas, and I think we would have ha- were happy with the draw there. 
That'll be the real battle, won't it? That'll, the possession battle. Crikey, you got both. Can we both have seventy percent possession? <laughs> well, maybe the maybe the um, maybe the real because it's pass accuracy. Because I thought you, I thought taught you to do that in a second as well. Um, I, I thought I'd chuck in the head to head. We've never lost them in the league. Eek. Um, but we have lost them on pens in the League Cup, which I was there for the, when the stadium MK opened and the stadium still didn't have sign um, side panels, and the car park was a mud bath. And oh. there weren't seats in the upper tier. Um, but otherwise, um, we've won three and drawn three. Um, so there you go. But yeah, the possession stats, um, shock horror, highest in the league, Greg. Um, but we're second. So well, yeah, said. exactly. And, and you know, you, you would have thought that if McKenna had, had a longer run at it, we'd be even closer to them. You'd have thought, if not, if not ahead, who knows? Yeah. Um, so 59.5%. I mean, that's grotesque. When you think about it, slightly less um, at home, fifty-eight um, percent, and but the accuracy as well, eighty-one point three percent accuracy, eighty odd percent. Yeah, um, and we're again we're pretty good in that respect as well. You wonder how much of that is in positions of threat, yeah, rather than between the back line. But nevertheless, um, pretty good stats in there if, as a possession-based team, and the the percentage of those of their overall passes. Um, which are short passes is eighty three percent. So do not expect them to go route one. So at George Edmund, George Emerson won't be needing to win too many headers. We don't think on uh, on Saturday maybe. But this is uh, and, and this is a really 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 important thing in respect of the style of play. And I think unlike MK, I kind of trust Kieran McKenna maybe to think a little bit differently about our approach for this match. You know, games against Gillingham and Doncaster where we're likely to have the majority of the ball anyway. Yeah. We can afford to be quite um, you know, in you know, do our passing triangles and off the ball short passing and all that kind of stuff. Where they struggle is aerial duels, the lowest amount of aerial duels on average one per game in the league. Um, fourteen on average at home, um, pretty low. You've mentioned they're defensively sound. Um they don't concede too many chances. They're the third best at keeping um, teams limited in terms of their shots. But nine clean sheets isn't particularly great. Um, it's the same amount as us and it's pretty much average, kind of mid-table. Um, but they're a little, I think they're they honest. Are they a bit too honest? They only concede about eight fouls a game. They've got the fourth best disciplinary record in the league. No red cards, along with two other teams, by the way. Um but they get fouled a lot too. And I just wonder whether this is a game we might want to mix it up. Do you know what I mean? Norwood yeah. on up front. Um, That'd be interesting to see, wouldn't it? If, if, you can, if we can spot a tangible difference to the style of play from what we've been seeing for the previous eight games, wouldn't it? If there is actually some thought, we don't actually, as you say, pass a pass's sake, where we have been able just to take our time and bide our time and know that the opposition probably aren't as effective of as us at doing it, um, whether we do just, yeah, I'd like to mix up and as you say, maybe just stick a bit of chaos up front and go a little bit more league one um, than we have been recently. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. And, but, and, and as, as I was saying before, sorry, mate, just as I was saying before about them having possession, they also, you know, move, they can move that possession into attacks and, and shots, can't they? Yeah, I, I was just going to mention, um, I'll, I'll mention two words now, because we'll talk about him in a bit. Sammy Morsey. I'll leave it at that. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, um, 
yeah, shots per game, 14 point three fifteen uh fifth more slightly more at home fifteen on target shots on target highest in the league yeah um we're not so good at this um eighteen no. percent of their goals from set pieces as well which is an interesting extra dimension I mean that's not much most of the goals are from open play um but they if they need to they can plop it on the head of Harry Darling as I mentioned and he'll convert those as well so yeah, I mean, we or know kick, what or to kick expect. it to, or kick it towards Hlanky's near post, and he'll palm it in. I had written that in my script, and then I thought, do I dare mention it? So thank you. You and yeah, exactly. You've got a bit of history with goalkeepers. Yeah, best I keeper. Yeah. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. So let's talk about the personnel, shall we? Um, Because I kind of feel like uh, we're inevitably leading to talking about Scott Twine. But should we do a business? Yeah, what do they? What do they do? Um, less Connor Wickham. You can still yeah. find him. Um, I mean, such a, a injury blighted career that he's had. Worth mentioning, obviously, after us, Sunderland three loans, two with two with um, Sunderland, one with Palace at Sheffield Wednesday, and a loan at Leeds, if you remember as well. Cool, don't remember and that. Press the North End short term deal, kind of similar to the Andy Carroll at West uh, Reading. Mm thing obviously yeah. hoping that that might lead to something else and unfortunately unlike Andy Carroll who's kind of failed upwards as it were to West Ball, <laughs> they're on a little bit of a downward trajectory um Connor Wickham's ended up a division lower with MK Dons but he's yeah. made four sub appearances since he's joined no starts yet 
and he's a physical presence and and it's it's that's something they lack and it's something that's been addressed through this window um another player up front that's got physical presence is Theo Corbinu um who's been loaned from Wolves he had been at Sheffield Wednesday earlier in the season um he's only 19 but both him and Connor Wickham both 62 63 I think it is so there's some physical presence which they lack at the moment um other bits of business which I think are really I mean a lot of loans um, Jamie Cumming um, left Gillingham to go to MK. We mentioned that a few weeks ago for the Gillingham show. But Connor Coventry, really great um, acquisition online from West Ham. Um, Irish midfielder, kind of a defensive midfielder. Again, is there to, I think, provide a little bit more potency in midfield, a bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Doggedness and determination because they're very creative. And yeah. Sammy Morsey. I midfield. don't think he's of this of similar... Uh, I think he's possibly was perceived by West Ham to be kind of the next Mark Noble, kind of similar to kind of Declan Rice and uh, Liam okay. Manning is, is, according to Wikipedia, yeah. is credited with a lot of um, Declan Rice's development. Development, so, yeah, yeah. So there's obviously a good um, vibe about um, Liam Manning with West Ham, and obviously a coach there, and so Connor Quantry has joined them. The other is Kane Kessler, who's is, is was left Swindon on loan on deadline day to join. MK, I can imagine Swindon a bit pissed off with teams yeah. and loans and maybe yeah, learn their lesson for next season. Well, he stuck out, didn't he, in that Man City FA Cup game. He was he was the one player that looked very, very decent, didn't he, for, yeah. for, um, for Swindon that day. And obviously, I think that may well have um, hastened his departure to... Uh, to a league above, they haven't. Poor old Swindon haven't won a game, have they? Since him and him and Simpson left, Barry's not doing the business. But <laughs> um, some, I mean, all of a young age as well. I mean, this is yes. The Simon uh, um, Dean Lewington, we'll talk about him. Drastically skews the average age of this team massively. They, this is a young team. I think it was twenty three point eight years old on average. The starting line at Fleetwood. If you take Dean Lewington out, it's probably twenty one twenty. Well, twenty-one, something like that. Yeah. So well, let's say you team. you look at the age, the ages of the guys they brought in, Connor Wickham apart. Um, it's very it's a very similar sort of recruitment style to what we've been aiming at in terms of those twenty-year-olds, twenty-one, twenty-two-year-olds that you've got an eye on, maybe developing if you can keep keep them full time and, and you know, selling them on for a, a tidy profit coming in the coming years, sort of thing, which may well take us on to the who left. Yeah, well, big news there. Do you want to talk about your? I mean, we we picked him out, didn't we, during the um, the flagship, and he scored that really good goal. But yeah, Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah well, he he. Um, I can't think which podcast it was. I was listening to it was, I, it was um, totally football, probably. Um, and they were just saying that they couldn't believe that it was only Celtic really that um, that came in for him because, according to them, and and like the analysis that they do, whether it be. Um, Wing ball, I don't know what the technical term of it is, but you know, winning the ball back and then progressive passes following winning the ball back sort of thing. He was by far and away top of all the charts, apparently, and from the analysis point of view in terms of um, central midfielders and, and breaking from midfield and things like that. So they couldn't believe that um, only Celtic went for him. And he's only been at Celtic, what, a matter of a month or so, but he's already getting rave reviews, yeah, isn't he? Up, up there, scored yesterday, I believe. He did, he did yeah. Yep. Do you want to deal with the other departures? Because um, there's obviously an, an Ipswich link there and also uh, an explanation as to why Jamie Cumming joined from Chelsea as a goalkeeper as well. Yeah, so, yeah, Charlie Brown. 
Um, if everyone remembers him, we're going to insert your own peanuts, cost peanuts joke here. Um, went to Cheltenham, didn't he? So, you know, Permanent look at that, well. Ty- Tyrese Simpson. You want to learn a lesson, Tyrese? Don't go to Chelsea. Look where, look where Charlie Brown. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, don't go to Chelsea. Look yeah, he was Charlie out of contract in the summer, I think. And um, I was surprised that was permanent because I think, yeah, he, he hasn't been there too long, has he? But um, No. Yeah. no. Um, and, the, yeah, and he and only did a thought, you know, with with all the exit switch and the setup behind the scenes and the sort of way that they seem to be structuring themselves. If you're going to succeed anywhere as a 22 year old centre forward, you'd you know, probably fancy a chance to succeed. You can't on. make it there. You won't make it anywhere. Um, yeah. yeah, Andy Fisher, the other the other departure, undisclosed to Swansea. No surprises that a few players have ended up there, and then a load of loans out. Um, let's talk about this team then, and because I think. They are quite fortunate. I've mentioned no no red cards, so no. I'm not aware of any yellow suspensions, no significant injuries either. So this team is pretty consistent. Um, it's a three four three, typically. Um, though the though the wide midfielders can drop to be wing backs if they want to be more defensive minded, and that's probably why they've gone for Kessler at right. And a right mid, right wing back because he's, I think he's more of a ball back, uh, wing back rather than a midfielder. But we'll talk through the personnel um, and and so Cummings likes to be in goal there. Um, debuts were made by Matt Smith, who did we mention him? He signed from Man City for an undisclosed. He's like a Man City youth player. He he signed in the window as well. Twenty two, another kind of holding central midfield player. He both he and Kester made their debuts on Tuesday against Fleetwood. I'd be surprised if Smith continues. Okay. Because I think there was some rotation um, and, and, that, and why will become clear in a second. I'm just trying to do things in order. Let's go through the team in order, shall we? The back three picks itself unless there's injuries that we don't know about. Warren O'Hora, Dean Lewington, um, 37 years old um, and has just surpassed in the last few days um, 750 career appearances for MK Dons. And that's 29 for Wimbledon, and then mm-hmm. 723 for MK Dons, which is bloody impressive and giving us all false hope. Um, <laughs> I don't know. And, and then Har- I mentioned him before. Harry Darling is the other of the three centre-backs. Um, scored midweek. He's got six goals this season, so he's definitely a threat on those set pieces. Does Lewington normally play in the middle of the three? Yeah, so uh, Lewington, formerly a, a left-back, obviously, um, has, has, has been matured into a centre-back, whether he wants to or not. I think it all happens to the best of us at some point. We get moved into a less, um, what's the word? I'm looking for Mobile. Right, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So he'll be on the left. Darling will be in the middle. I I, I get um, Blackadder in my head when I talk about that. And then O'Hora on the the right. Perfect. Um, Should we go into midfield? Yeah, Um, yeah. I've got a a crikey. There's a name in the midfield, which was... And I looked this up 10, 11 years ago. It was going to be the next big thing, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah Josh McEquin's still there. Um, is that the name you had in mind? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, because yeah, you know, it's a name that people probably remember. And he just he absolutely burst onto the scene. He, he was making his debut for Chelsea when he was about 17, 18 years old and had a decent, well, decent season or half season. Got a five-year contract at Chelsea and then just basically went on, on loan to everyone for the for the subsequent um, two or three years. It's a strange old situation. And then he's just tailed off, isn't he? He went to 
Brentford um, for a little while. I think that's who he's played the most games for is Brentford. Then Birmingham for a, for nothing and then signed a then was out of contract, signed a short-term deal with MK Dons before the trans, the real transfer deadline in March, I think it was um, last year, and has only got a contract till the end of this year. So it's a funny old career he's had, isn't yeah, it? Play, there's, there's always a few that kind of tumble their way down, don't they, that have although have the big reputation and find life is more complicated than they think. But, you know, he's a good fit, a really good fit for this team. But the central midfield in this team is not where the goals will come from. It will be from the wide positions. It will be from getting the ball up to that front, this front three, which we'll talk about shortly. So McEachran's got zero goals and zero assists, but it's played a good chunk of the games. Connor Coventry, we mentioned, came in on Tuesday. I think he's played a few more games prior to that as well. I'd expect that to be the starting two rather than Matt Smith. And then out wide, um, Daniel Harvey's been an ever-present on the left-hand side, Scottish kind of, I think, again, notionally, a kind of a left wing back, but actually has been pushed further up the pitch. He will hug that touchline. Um, he's got three assists, no goals. On the other side, Tane Watson has generally been favoured. He's got a goal and assist, but I think Kester will play given where yeah. he's come from at Villa. Um, so that's, and, and again, this has been pretty consistent, this selection. Um, there might be stuff that we're unaware of, but I think there's a good chance these will be the personnel. So just um, a solid a solid base in the centre midfield then rather than anything spectacular. Yeah, maybe some yeah, getting the ball out wide. But we'll talk yeah, do you want to talk us through the personal up front? Um or in the front yes. three tripod. Yeah, absolutely. So well, and there's the three names we all know pretty well and we've had the had the um pleasure of seeing in our team and also playing against a fair few times, haven't we? Um so Scott Twine obviously is there the name that everyone on everyone's lips at the moment. Um, he scored 13 goals um, so far, nine assists, um, five of those goals from, from set plays. One of them pushed into his own net by uh, <laughs> Vaslav Hladky. So I'm not, we'll call that four and a half goals from, from set pieces. Um, 12 big chances created. He has almost four shots per game uh, at home, 3.9 shots at home. Two and a half key passes per game, um, and he he had a strange career because he he was on loan, he was on loan from Swindon to Newport. Remember that? Okay. No, he, I don't. He, yeah, he was, okay. and then and then and Newport were flying high. You know, we're talking about loans being recalled and you know going into the team. He was on loan at Newport from Swindon, got recalled to Swindon. His first game back is when he stuck it in thirty yards out into our top corner. Oh, okay. If I I thought he was maybe I've got him confused with um, McEachran. Then I thought he was alone at MK um, at Swindon from somewhere else, but he he wasn't. No, no, you're Swindon, right. Yeah, Swindon's player. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, what, are we, what a massive high, you know. Yeah. Progression. He was like, yeah. He. I remember when he played against us for for when he played against us for Swindon that first match, and there were the Newport fans were like, oh, you couldn't believe they're like, you know, this guy had been scoring goals for fun for him, similar to the goal he scored against us yeah. for them. Yeah, he'd been doing that all season for Newport. Swindon saw it thought, bloody hell, hang on, we'll best get him back in our team because we're struggling towards the bottom of the division. Um, but, you know, didn't transpire that he, he kept them up. But being in that shop window for six months, the last six months of last season got him the... Uh, the move to um, to MK Dons. I think it was a tribunal in the end. I don't think they've actually disclosed what the uh, what the cost was. Um, but no, so yeah, so he's 
very much the danger man and very much the, you know, it'll be the old adage, don't give away any free kicks in and around the area. So we can probably see... Uh, don't let someone... him shoot from 40 yards. Yep. <laughs> yeah, cleaning someone out in the first five minutes about on the edge of the box or something like that. Um, and the other two names, Moisa, um, obviously from Peterborough. Um, he's He's got seven goals and an assist. He was... Uh, where was he initially? Bristol City? Well, not maybe not initially, but he, he was at oh, Bristol yeah. City, wasn't he? And then moved to, I think he was Peterborough's record signing, and then he's been Milton Keynes's record signing. Um, and he's a, a decent decent player at this level, isn't he? Yeah, he's um, had, yeah. No, he's... he was at Cheltenham, then Bristol City signing, I think. That's it, Cheltenham. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I think Bristol may have played a, a fair chunk of change for him as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he's one of the three. And the other one is our... Our friend Troy Parrott, um, who you know, Ipswich fans will know, will know what sort of player he is. He's he'll you know drop deep, he'll drop into spaces. Um, probably won't score as many goals as the Tottenham fans think he probably should be. You know, he's another one of these sort of Louis Barry types that we're told, right, this is it. You know, this guy's going to rip it up for you guys. You know, he's he's Tottenham's next big thing. He's Aston Villa's next big thing. You know, you won't believe, can't believe you like you've got him and four or five goals later over the course of the season, you think, oh, well, I think he's all right, I suppose. Um, so again, yeah, he's got three goals and uh, and four assists. So Parrott's got three goals. Issa's got seven goals. Um, Twine's got 13 goals. So they do spread them out a little bit. But then, you know, I suppose in terms of us, it's a Bond, Chaplin, Norwood. In terms of figures, you know, they're not a million miles away from, no. from mirroring ours, I suppose, are they? No, I think they've been more routine. Ours have been quite spiky, haven't they? And and the the issue, I guess, for us here, and and is that there's, I don't think Moesa will start. Um, Corbino's start against Lincoln, and there was some rotation. I think Corbino comes back in for Isa. Is it Just for a bit of fight? Yeah, Moesa, I think so. It? But I, th- it's if he does that, it's it's a real problem for us because. This three will move around and rotate because Troy Parrott, I think, has been playing a little bit deeper actually. So I, I do think when when it's those three, when it's Isa Parrot and Twine, you'd imagine that Parrot and Twine will be the deeper sitting ones, and Isa is the, the kind of kind of lone front man. I think if it's three, I think it will be more flat, but doesn't mean they might pop up in random places. They might drop in and find gaps, and and that's where Scott Twine obviously does well because he can pick stuff off from that and. That might be where he goes for. And as I said, they've lacked the physical threat. And Corbin O gives you that. And obviously Wickham off the bench for sub appearances. He probably won't start. Um, but he's he's likely to get minutes, I'd suggest. So um But you'd but you'd yeah. feel quietly confident that yeah, you know, McKenna's knows exactly you know, he's done his homework. We'll know we'll be set up to there'll be no surprises from what we, we should, uh, yeah. Twine mechanics. Surely this point is being double marked by most teams, but that's yeah. the issue, isn't it? If you double mark him, then you've got one man left over, haven't you? Um, if it's the back three that's dealing with, well, I guess it won't be. It'll be on Morsley, uh, won't it? And then or Evans, won't it? Evans will be dragging your midfield out of the way, and then yeah, so it is going to be a problem. Um, but that's why they're where they are in the league, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And that's also why we're starting to look that way ourselves, isn't it? So I say it's just, it's just a game for people to look forward to, I think. Mm. Um, It'll be, yeah, really fascinating, as you say, to see what McKenna does, I think. Yeah. Well, we've got ref ways, Rich. Yeah, well, I'll just chuck this in because I thought it was interesting. Um, 
Oliver Langford, um, who's issued no red cards so far this season and, may, and mainly has refed championship games um, as well. So obviously a recognition of the level maybe that this game is is revered in. But the fourth official um, is uh, Rebecca Welch, who's who's the first um, female official in history to referee yeah. a third round FA Cup tie. She did um, Birmingham v Plymouth and sent off George Friend for a second book of offence. So oh. um, yeah, so I thought that was an interesting bit of um, extra trivia and I said like to do this back to the week. So I thought I'd do my... A little bit there. Um, another bit to, just to point out before we talk about us very briefly um, is their pitch is crap. Um, really cutting up at the moment. And there was a lot of complaints and Kieran was telling us about the pitch from when we played MK Don's women on uh, last yeah, weekend. Yeah. Um, I don't think Stadium MK is drastically better. I mean, definitely better than what, what the women played on. But um, that might be a factor. Long overdue investment there as well for them. So I send them in. So they've got, they've got a crap pitch, but still managing an 81% pass accuracy. I think it's just big chunks of it come up rather than it's like a sandpit. Oh, okay. I think I saw a picture of near the corner flag and just a huge divot, like our pitch in 95, 96, maybe. Not as quite bad, but yeah. So in terms of ourselves then, mate, we, mm. we've, we've heard from, well, Kieran McKenna was in the press star. I haven't um, listened to it. Yourself. I saved myself those for, for Friday afternoons, his interviews and stuff. But Brilliant. it appears that um, we're okay, aren't we? In terms of fitness and injuries, we're, uh, it looks like, touch word, lucky rabbit's foot, that our sports science um, department is yeah, looking good so far, isn't it? Yeah, no, no injuries to report, and we mentioned Morsey returning. I think that's a really, really helpful timing. Um, you know, we've we've got the results without him, which has been um, really fortunate. Um, but this is the perfect game for someone like him um, to impose himself. Um, you know, yeah. stick him on Scott Twine. Do you know what I mean? You might sacrifice some of his attacking intent that has actually been really helpful of late. Um, but if you play, I mean, this who is it for you, Backinson? This is only the selections for me that I think the same back defensive line, and that yep. includes the wide defend wide the wing backs. Yeah, yeah. So who do you play alongside Morsey, and who is your front three? Craig. Yeah, it's interesting actually because um, I don't know if you, if it was um, perceptible. I'm going to make up a word. I don't know if you could see it on iFollow, but. Um, Lee Evans was blowing out his backside for the last half well, an hour of that match. He went down with an injury as well, didn't he? Was that... he? Yeah, he did. But even before, even before then, he was just—he barely got out of a walk, let alone a trot. You know, he was in the right place at the right time, but didn't need to do too much because it was you know, Don Castro weren't really throwing cautious to the wind. But he was really, really puffing and blowing. He looked like he was injured. He looked like he was carrying an injury for the last half an hour of that match. So I do. Well. I think. I think in an ideal world, it would be him and Morsey. Um, and I imagine they'll do everything they can to make sure it is just for the experience perspective and being able to cover those, as you're saying about the, the, the little pockets um, that, that, that Para and Twine will look to drop into. You're going to want Morsey and uh, Evans in there to to read it. You know, you may, you may not have to worry about man to man marking if they've got the experience to know where to be at the right sort of times. If you see what I mean, um, and I think that if now I'm not Lee Evans's biggest fan um at the moment but i think i'd trust him more to to do that to do that role than than backinson um came from backinson was, he, yes i would as well actually yeah although it might be 
You're saying about you said earlier, didn't you, about Nor- Norwood and and Bon up front? Do you go for both Norwood and and Bon and Aluko behind, or yeah, Chaplin played well? I like the idea yeah. of that. Although Chaplin is the, probably the form player, isn't he? Yeah, um, and he and he will also yeah. get you a goal out of next to nothing, won't he? And he's also always game to have a shot, whereas you know Aluko hasn't scored for us. Uh, but I think if if you're going to lose a little bit of Morsey's intent because he's dealing, if he's dealing with Twine. I like how Aluko is probably a better conduit between the central midfield and the front two. Yeah, he'll keep the ball. He won't lose the ball. He'll, in theory... But you know, McKenna might have something else in mind, mightn't he? So, yeah. But yeah, you, I mean, 7,000 Ipswich fans there likely to outnumber the home support. Is it going to feel like a home game? And yeah. therefore, what's your confidence level in terms of prediction, Craig? Well, it's funny enough, we, me, and, me and the mate were chatting about it on the way back from... Um, Doncaster, actually, now, what, what would you take? Would you take a draw? Would you take a win? Do you need a win to sort of prove to yourself that, A, you can win three in a row, and B, you can beat the teams that you need to beat above you to start getting making some real, real progress towards that top six? And um, I, I personally would really, I just love a win, you know. I don't know if Imagine I... Imagine in front of that, that number of exactly. fans. Exactly. But as you as you rightly say, it's a really good point. Is does that sheer fact that there's so many away fans there who are, you know, by virtue of being away fans, you would hope are going to be noisy in any case, and therefore noisier than the home fans who are more spread out around three quarters of a stadium. Um, you know, seven thousand of them spread out, and seven thousand Ipswich fans condensed into it behind the goal. You, it it negates any. Well, I don't know if they do they have a home advantage, Milton Keynes, as you say. 7,000 on a good day. It's not exactly the Roker roar, is it? You know, sucking the ball into the cop. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I think we're going to win. There you go. I won't say any more because I'm only going to ruin it. Um, one thing we, a few things we do need, do need to mention um, is go to the Greyhound, the best pub in Ipswich. Great pre-match. Go and join us for... Burton next week, is it? I want to say Burton. Is it Cheltenham? No, Cheltenham on Tuesday. Whatever. Next home game. Go to the Greyhound. Have yep, some Adnams ale. Have a Danassian dog and have a real good time. And maybe get papped by um, Turbo Bits. the Sailor. At Turbo the Sailor Bits, yeah. Um, flagship is back on Monday morning, 7am. Ben, Dave and Joe talking about the MK Dons game. And midweek next week, um, we've talked about it a few times, but do get involved. Um, we'll be talking about um, Paul Mariner, my rock and roll football story with the, with the ghost writer, Mark Donaldson. Um, and we'll be talking all about the book. Um, so we hope you've read it and are ready to invo- get involved in what should be a really interesting conversation. So um, all the details that you need for all of our shows, all of our pod feed, all of our audio, uh, vi- video stuff, YouTube, socials, Blue Monday, itfc.co.uk. Um, Craig, are you ready for some sliding doors? Still dodging the YouTube copyright police. Um, (laughs) Very briefly put the league table up. um, Makes very sad reading for my 44% defeat to Joe, though I did gamble. I think I could have gone Lincoln in the mid But excuses, excuses. I'll let you go first, or do, or do you want me to? Do, do you know the rules? So yeah, do I, I don't mind going first. Mate. I, you know, I must admit, I'm, I'm still sort of smarting a little bit from the whole room 101 
It's not you over. Know, it's not over. Retirement during, you know. I've, I've got a list, a big long list that I've still got things no, to go for. Not even, fo- not even football related. No, I was even thinking don't. about non, non-football non related Room 101s oh, the other day. We were day. talking about non-fungible tokens. I don't know if you were NFs. There you go. But, um, no. Do you tell um, everyone what we are, which era? If you stand era, we're doing Sliding Doors Moments for. Yes, indeed. Uh, we are looking at the uh, Joe Royal era. Uh, we're looking at the entertainers era, I suppose. The um, the uh, the imminent appearance of Chef Gikuchi era of of Joe Royal. Um, so we'd, if you cast your mind back, two, this is two thousand and three, two thousand and four. So in the summer leading up to that season, we'd just sold Matt Holland. Um, so it was that sort of um, era. We still had Magilton and we still had Jermaine Wright. We still had, we well, we had Tommy Miller now in midfield and Chris Bart Williams later that season. So that's the sort of midfield we had. <clears throat> we had Pablo, Darren Bent, Alan Armstrong, and then Chef Gikuchi would come and come and play up front. However, we didn't have much width or dribbling in the team. And in September 2003, Joe Royal scraped enough pennies together. He looked down the side of David Sheepshanks's Ipswich Town sofa and just about cobbled together enough to sign Alan Marne on loan. Oh, he was a Rolls-Royce player, wasn't he? From Blackburn Rovers. Yeah, that's right. Um, and let me think. He scored... He scored in October. He scored in October against Bradford. He scored one. He scored one goal for us. Yeah, that season. And he said he was quoted as saying, "I would love to stay here, but we'll have to see what happens in December. First and foremost, I want to be part of a team that keeps winning." That's what he said. And actually, of the seven matches he started, we won six of those seven matches that Alan Marne started for Ipswich. Um, and he was just a bit something, something a bit different. You know, he was he was a spark. He just looked he looked a level above um, what we had um, in that team. Certainly in terms, as I say, in terms of width and pace and dribbling and running with the ball and bits and pieces like that. He was sort of just um, yeah a different a different string to our bow. Um, unfortunately, it was a fleeting before a fleeting appearance. He left us having signed in September. He left in just before Christmas, a couple of days before Christmas. Um, and unfortunately, we were dealing in free transfers. We we managed to get Shefki in and Bart Williams both from free transfers, um, but couldn't summon enough cash to sign him permanently. He had another year left on his contract at Blackburn, unfortunately, and we couldn't um, stump up the cash to both you know, get get that deal over the line, and then probably get enough to um, to pay his wages. And and this is what. This is where your sliding door moment comes in. There was another team in that division that could, mm. unfortunately, afford his uh, wages. Um, Dave Whelan, who once, I don't know if you know, he, he doesn't like to talk about it much, but he once broke his leg in the, FA Cup fi- in the FA Cup final. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's there somewhere on the internet, you know. So you I might like find it, it in it. You might find an interview where he mentions it, but you'd be you're very lucky if you did. Um, so he was bankrolling Wigan Athletic at the time um, and their frisky um, Liverpudlian high libido manager, um, Paul, Paul Jewell. <laughs> Paul Jewell. 
Um, and Alan Mine went and signed for them in, in February. Um, and he made his debut against us the next day. And they beat us 3-1 at Portman Road. Um, and we all went on then that season. We went on to lose in the playoffs to West Ham. So it's that season um, that we're talking about. Now, the following season, he played 27 times and scored seven goals for Wigan. He was in the side with Leighton Baines and Jimmy Bullard, obviously Ellington and Roberts um, up front. And they ended up finishing second in the league, two points clear of us, and obviously one promotion. And that's when we we had Brighton the last game of the season, I think, and drew, didn't we, away. Um, so, yeah, they finished two points clear of us, went up. And then the following season, Wigan loaned us Tony Dinning just for the bants. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, actually, just a quick one. Um, um, you know, Kieran Dyer did those like um, my best eleven uh, interviews for TWTD with various people. Chef Gikuchi had him in his um, first eleven. Had Alan Marn in his yeah. first eleven, even though he'd only I don't know if he played all seven games with him because they were sort of joining at, at sort of different times. But yeah, he, he included it. So yeah, he was that's quite, my he... sliding doors is to letting not letting him go, but not quite being able to get the deal across the line when everybody basically wanted to get it done. And I reckon we'd have won promotion either in 2004 or 2005 with him supplying the the firepower for the guys we had up front. Another added to the list of a lone players that we fell in love with and then never joined, <laughs> and two never players that in love with the lone B player. players that um, we could have signed had it not been for our fastidiousness. Fastidiousness. Or a lack of funds. There you go. I used proper English. Um, so I, mine, um, I hope my Sunday's moment negates any need to talk about Alan Mann because it happened a year earlier. I'm going to take you back to the 5th of April, 2003. Ipswich Town 3, Nottingham Forest 4. Um, Ipswich went into the game 7th, two points off the playoffs, admittedly the team in 6th had a game in hand and this game for me was kind of a watershed moment for that season because we actually got on a great run um, through the um, the kind of second third of the season under Joe Royal, obviously. And um, this was a, a game against playoff pretenders versus the team up there in fifth, I think they were. And the defeat here mathematically is all kinds of, problematic for me but it was more the psychological damage we did rally after losing to Forest. I mean there's some crap goals conceded <laughs> in this game we, we are 2-0 up by the way and at half time we're 3-2 down there is questionable goalkeeping there's an own goal there's all kinds of nonsense going on in this game Marlon Hairwood scores twice that should tell you how bad a day it was defensively for us um, this is the game of Tommy Miller um, missing a penalty and being able to retake it because of encroachment but b- because we'd lost that game we were at arm's length from the playoffs to the point where we kind of realized it was too far and we were never it, it wasn't going to happen and we lost the brother and we then lost 5-1 to Wimbledon and if we'd beaten Forest even drawn with Forest I think those two games are very different and what would have been I think in the end a six-point gaps to the playoffs. Um, if Forest with the team that ended up in sixth, four sorry, four points better off than us. So if we beat them, well, that's 
three points off four. So that's one. They had better goal difference, so we would have needed to win another game. You beat Rotherham or you beat Wimbledon and we're in the playoffs. And it's Sheffield when United in the playoffs. Our record against them, that record against them that season, nil-nil away, that famous three-two at home. The Wolves final might have been tricky, but we maybe go up that season and or we're in the playoffs and there's momentum there. And maybe Matt Holland stays and maybe we don't need to <laughs> sign Alan Mann. Marcus Evans doesn't happen. Simon Clegg doesn't happen. Do you know what I mean? So I think that was probably our best opportunity there. But that defeat to Forest, big old crowd in the ground, as I said, 2-0 up. And we just threw it away. And after that, I think everyone kind of gave up, gave up on the yeah. idea of playoffs and what might have been there, I think. So there you go. Then that was a sort of era where we were getting all nigh on 30,000 people at home. The crazy yeah. numbers. Yeah, when you think about it now. And, you know, that team, keep it together, get a better keeper. Um, but <laughs> the rebuild back in the Premier League would have been much easier. Joe Royal as manager, you know, what might have been there. And in the end, as you say, there was a slow build with the budgetary constraints we had and eventually we got close, but no cigar. So... No guarantees in the playoffs, obviously, but there you go. That Nottingham Forest defeat. Um, I might put the goals up because they are pretty embarrassing. Um, but as always, um, you will decide. So we will put the poll out on our Twitter. We'll make sure it's for the right duration of days. And you can tell us whether Alaman, what might have been, or playoffs um, 0203 might have been, and make a decision based on the facts, based on your heart. What do you feel about it? But um, when you say based on the facts, you were sort of there was I'm a lot of supposition that we may oh, yeah. have actually won the won the Premier League two years after uh, oh, had what? we had we beaten Notts Forest. But you know, yeah. I'm, if you're that, if you're saying there's facts, there's facts. I mean, well, would Alan Mann have got us promoted single handedly? Well, what I'm saying is that Alan Mann got promoted with Wigan the following season. Well, that did fact. he? Did he? Or anyway, enough persuasion um you can all decide for yourselves um thank you craig um let's listen to at court once more there you go that is your lot um craig thank you um thank excellent. you we've been we've covered so many bases so now we're back in time we've looked into the future We've done manager or merry rounds. Um, it's been a good show today, if we do say so ourselves. So thank you for that. Um, as we mentioned, um, head to the Greyhound, um, our partners for these shows. Um, really great pre-match menu, good buzz, good crowd. So head down there. And then everything else, bluemondayitfc.co.uk, all the details for our shows. Um, but do join us for the flagship show on Monday. Um, Craig, do you want to say anything before we go? No, just that for those, those no, and I start talking. Yes, yes. No. for for those of you that go into Milton Keynes, then yeah, have a good day. Bring your inflatable bananas, and um, yeah, have a, let's hope it's a, a nice journey back home for everyone as well. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. 
Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.